Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. Lord, I thank you for your spirit in this house tonight. Let your word just burn in our lives. Thank you that in you is life and healing in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Let's take our seats. God, you're so good. You're so good. I love church. I love the Holy Spirit because He just does His work. Some of you, let me know by the end of the service if God's, it's clear that you've already been healed. Some of you will know. Others won't know until you go for that walk or you do some activity at work or home. You will know that something shifted. And I just believe God's healing power. Romans 8.5 says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. That's a strong word, hostile. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, dwelling in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. So at Easter time, we're celebrating the resurrection life of Jesus, the grace of our God, that the cross equals love. Did anyone see that Facebook post where the Hillsong Church in Sydney had an aeroplane do that message right across Sydney Harbour Bridge and over over the whole of Sydney? The cross equals love. I don't know how they do that in planes, but they do it somehow. And so this huge big sign on Friday was the cross, it was love, right across the skies of Sydney. I thought, yes, yes. Our our nation needs to know that the cross equals love, that Jesus come to set people free. And his spirit comes in and brings resurrection life. The message version of verse 10 and 11 says, it stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead, moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from the dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ's is. Wow, that's a powerful thought. So if the same Holy Spirit's in us, our bodies, our minds, our hearts can be alive as much as Jesus was. Because it's the same Holy Spirit. The Bible says Jesus was full of the Spirit without measure. It was just overflowing. That's why when he walked into a room, things changed. Whenever he started to speak, action happened. And God says that same Holy Spirit can be using out of your words, your kind deeds, the way you love and treat people. There's the Spirit of life that goes out. And some of you might have read it in the paper this week the, uh, um, that one of the reporters rang me up from the paper and wanted a story about what's Easter really mean. And some of you might have seen that story with Amy that wrote the story. And she rang me up and says, I've heard that more people are going back to church. I said, that's true. 
And so she wanted a story of what people think about Easter. So I just started sharing with her. And thankfully, she quoted me accurately in the paper, and it was a good story. It was a really good story. She's not a Christian yet, but she's on the journey. She's the one who came and wrote the story on the water baptism before Christmas for Dean and uh, Dave and all the others that got baptized. She's really searching. And, in, and at the end of the interview, she says, I like talking to you. You're so full of love and hope. I thought, how's that for a reporter who's not yet a Christian, but she's getting close. She said, I like talking to you. I don't know who else she talks to and what they're like, but she, I, I thought, well, that made my day. Because to me, it says, hey, there's something of Jesus' life coming out of my words and my attitudes. And that's what all of us have that influence. Sometimes it's more dramatic and clear, but that was so inspiring. I thought, wow, Jesus is really living in us and he's flowing out of us. And people who don't have that spiritual life, they get curious. They, they inquire. Some people get hostile because they're living out of the old mind and the, the sinful nature. So they get, they get curious, but then they get hostile. They think, if I follow you, I've got to change. I'm going to have to deal with some stuff. And some people don't want to do it, just like some of us didn't want to do that, until we finally realize that following Jesus and being led by the Holy Spirit is how God designed us. It's like having a computer and not knowing how to turn the thing on properly. Or getting a car and no one told you you're supposed to put petrol in the tank, not water. And you wonder why it doesn't go and you're pushing this car all around town. And people are saying, what are you doing? Well, I'm just I'm using my car to get to my destination. They look at you really strange saying, what are you doing? If you put some petrol in there, turn the key on, the thing will carry you there and you don't have to push it. But that's what a lot of us do in life. We don't realize that if we have the Spirit of God, He energizes us and we live an overflowing life. But we try to sort ourselves and we're pushing through life and trying to work everything out and it's so hard. But when you get the fuel of the Holy Spirit in your soul, everything starts to move and flow. And there's breakthroughs, there's changes, there's, there's hearts are transformed in the process. So if the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, it shall quicken transform your body in the early church you got to realize that these disciples they were they were finished jesus died on the cross they, they're locked up and hiding in the upper room some people say it could have been the same room that they had the passover with jesus that's an interesting thought if it was wow i'm not sure if it was or not but it could have been so they're there and on the night that jesus rose in the morning he shows up. Some of them are there, lock the doors because they scared the, the uh, Roman soldiers or the Jewish leaders are going to come and arrest them and they'll get arrested. So the doors are locked and what happens? Jesus walks straight through the wall and he's in the room. That freaked him out. And he says, peace be still, don't be worried. And they're thinking, what? And then Thomas wasn't there the next week. Jesus came back again. I wonder what happened in that week. There would have been some interesting conversations going on. What's this? Jesus has really risen from the dead. And they would have been wrestling through a whole lot of stuff. And they were afraid. But over the coming weeks, they realized Jesus truly had risen from the dead. And then they got filled with the Holy Spirit 50 days after he rose from the dead. 10 days after he'd gone back to heaven. Because Jesus was here for 40 days after he rose from the dead. Saw lots of people, preached and taught. And then he went back to heaven 10 days later. The Holy Spirit got poured out in Acts chapter 2. And then in the early 
church in the book of Acts, one of the key things they preached and taught about was that Jesus had risen from the dead. This was the most earth-shattering moment of history, that Jesus rose from the dead. Let's look at Acts 2, 22. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited to, by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But, thank God there's some buts in the Bible, but God raised him from the dead freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Death could not keep him down because he's the author of life. He's the creator of the universe, the giver of the original breath into humanity. The word breath means pneuma, which means spirit. So when we Filled with the Spirit, we're breathing in and then breathing out His life. That's why sometimes when you start to worship or pray, you feel like energy just coming into you. You feel like your lungs and your spirit's just filling up. Sometimes I feel like I'm going to burst on the inside. Anyone else have that? You feel like your skin and your bones and body's not going to hold you because you're, you're just growing bigger on the inside because you're getting filled up with the breath of Almighty God. The Spirit of God's just overflowing your soul. Some of you look at me and say, I don't get any of that. I want to say, you need to keep hungering for more of the Spirit and just learn to breathe in and drink His Spirit. When we're worshipping, put your hands up, enjoy the words of the song and just say, Spirit of God, fill me and overflow me. When you're praying, say, God, your promises. Lord, I believe you can fill me and overflow me with the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says you'll be flooded with God Himself. To be filled, the word of when God says filled, it's not just Three quarters full, it's overflowing. Whenever God says be filled, it's pouring out everywhere. It's oozing everywhere. And that's what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God. And at the end of this service, we're going to take a few moments and pray for people that we will be filled again. For some people have never been filled with the Spirit. And let the power of God overflow your life. Acts 3.15, next chapter. Peter gets up and says, you killed the author of life. That's a really strange statement. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes to him that has completely healed him as you can all see. And they were talking about the, this crippled man that was carried to the gate of the church every day and begging for some food and money. And one day Peter and John come along and says, we don't have any spare money. Sounds like a few other Christians I know. Don't have any spare money. But what we do have we give you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And this guy jumps up totally healed. He'd been crippled all his life. He goes running into the church service, upsets everything. He's just so excited. Jumping and leaping and praising God. So would you if you'd never walked in all of your life. Oh, God, we need some of those miracles again in our city, in our community, where people cannot ignore that Jesus has risen from the dead. We need some of those signs and wonders that so transform people's hearts, where people are wondering, hey, this God, is he real? They, they can't ignore it. In our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our community, we're going to see signs and wonders that will bring great glory to God. If we want to win a city for Jesus, you need words, deeds, and signs. 
Signs and wonders isn't the only thing that will do it. You need the word taught, explained, lived out. You need deeds of kindness, love, care, sensitivity, support and helping the poor and needy. And you need signs and wonders that get people's attention and breaks through the mindsets of our lives. And we're going to see more and more. Like we saw that story of that guy, broken back, and there he's running ultra marathons. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. And we've got more and more miracle stories happening in our church, in our lives. And we're going to see more and more as we make room for the Holy Spirit. Just letting Him flow, praying and believing. It goes on in Acts 4.2. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. It just messed with their heads. They had a nice comfortable religion. But these miracles of Jesus, it didn't fit into their nice form of religion. Acts 4.8, it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it's by the power of the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Wow. If you hang out with Jesus long enough, the spirit that is in him is going to get on you. Just like you hang out with positive people, faithful people, it just starts to overflow on you. You hang out with negative, depressive people, it can really just drain you. You think, oh boy, everything's too hard. Then someone walks in with a breath of fresh air and brings hope into the room. The person who has the most hope has the most influence. Carry hope because that's what Jesus is. It says, but since they could see that the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing else they could say. Well, a miracle, a transformed life, a healed body, and strongholds, someone who used to be in and out of hospital all the time and now they haven't been for three years because they're healed and restored. That is a story that people cannot ignore or deny. And I believe that the Spirit of God is going to bring more and more of that again. He's going to, your life will be set free. That torment, those nightmares, that shame and guilt from your past and sinful life is broken. And people are going to say, wow, you speak different. You look different. You act different. You're not thinking about yourself and healing, help covering your own pain. Now you're out to help others sincerely without any other agenda. That really speaks to people's lives. And that's what the Spirit of God does within us. Because he starts to line you up to do what God originally designed you to do. And sin and darkness has marred us, damaged us, scarred us. But the resurrected Christ, he took the nail prints. And the scars and beating he took was so that he paid the price so you could live in freedom. Wow, wow, wow. That is so powerful. And not only just in your body, but in your mind and your heart and your soul. Those generational sins and curses don't have to control you anymore. 
It's time to break that cycle so that the next generation lives in freedom. That we don't have to live in poverty, but we live with blessing and favour and hope over our lives. And I thank God for this church. We've been here over 16 years and we're seeing the next generation now rising up and living in faith and overflow. And we need to keep believing for that more and more and more. Acts 4.32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. That doesn't sound like Australian lifestyle, does it? With great power, the apostles continue to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. This was a central plank of their preaching. They said, if Jesus is alive and if he's risen from the dead, then nothing's impossible with him. Remember it says that it was impossible for death to keep him, to hold him. Wow. Lord, we can live in freedom. It goes on and it says, And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. Wow, we've got these beautiful letters of grace here. And we had this for the hymn fest on Wednesday. And we've kept it up for the weekend because Easter's about grace. It's about love and it's about hope, amongst other things. It says there was so much grace that there was no needs among the people. How awesome would it be to live in a city or a church like that? Every need met. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, relationally. Wow, God, you're so good. Chapter 5, verse 17. Then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them all out. Wow. They couldn't even be locked up anymore because God just sent an angel during the night and just unlocked all the doors and they, they escaped. Go stand in the temple courts, the angel said, and tell the people all about this new life. Wow. Let's not keep the good news to ourselves. Let's keep sharing it, living it making space for it, being willing to share your story wherever you can. You don't have to pull the Bible out and preach 25 verses at someone at work. They're going to say, whoa. But you can share your story of how God's love has changed your heart. Saying, wow, two years ago, I was so injured, I couldn't do this job. But now, God's healed my body. They say, what? Or, my family was in chaos, but now... They're being restored. They say, really? How's that happen? You share your story because it's the overflow. And I love the next bit of the story. It says, the religious leaders went to find the, the apostles and in jail and they'd all gone. The jailer's saying, well, we, we were awake all night. We didn't see how they got out, but they're gone. And they went and found them preaching the resurrection of Jesus in the city in the temple again. And these guys thought, well, we can't control this. This is out of our control. Let me tell you, when the Spirit of God starts to move, everything of this world cannot stand. Cannot stand when the Spirit of God starts to move. He moves from house to house, healing and restoring families. He starts to change the statistics of a city where you don't have 80% of the kids from broken, tormented, abused homes. It starts to shift because more and more people come in line with God's Word and His ways and the Spirit of God will humanity. Oh, God, let that be. And many of us have started to see that. But I just know that we're going to see more and more of that because that's how we change a city as the Spirit of God is let loose in our lives. Be filled and overflowing with the Spirit. Let's look at that for a few minutes and we'll wrap it up. 
Acts 2, 1 to 4. They were praying for 10 days. Took them 10 days to get themselves sorted. And it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place suddenly. I love the suddenlies of God, but the suddenlies only happen when you've done the dailies of preparation. We all want the suddenlies to break loose in our lives. And God says, well, are you, are you daily honoring me and doing your devotions? Are you, are you loving and caring? Are you, are you forgiving? Are you doing what I've taught you to do? If you do the dailies right, then the suddenlies will break loose when God knows they're needed for you or for other people. Oh, God, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. There was a violent wind just blew from heaven. Just like a cyclone came into into that. And I believe it was such a roar that I believe it was heard out on the street as well. Because thousands of people gathered quickly. And I think that was a supernatural. They, They heard the sound of something happening in that upper room with 120 people. And there was a a power of God. They started with 500 people at the beginning of the 10 days. 10 days, they were down to 120. Someone said, oh, this is no good. How long are we going to wait around here? How long is this prayer meeting going on for? 10 days. They didn't know it was going to be 10 days. It could have been 20 or 50 or 100. They started with 500. There was 120 at 9 o'clock in the morning when the Holy Spirit was poured out. It's interesting, nine o'clock in the morning was the time that Jesus was hung on the cross. What Jesus did on the cross opened the way for the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit to get poured out. Because he took our sin and therefore we could be forgiven and now the Spirit could come without measure into our lives. This roaring sound came from heaven. I've, a couple of times I've been in meetings and I haven't heard a roaring sound, but I've felt the wind of the Spirit. I remember one morning about five years ago, we were worshipping here, I had my guitar and the prayer meeting. We started to sing this song, There's a Wind Blowing All Across the Land. All of a sudden I feel this breeze blowing over me as I'm singing the song. It was enough to get my attention. I look out and there wasn't a leaf on the trees moving. I was thinking, okay, Lord, I get it. You're just here showing me enough that you're with me. I remember another time we were worshipping up the front here. I had my hands raised and next minute I feel this wind blowing across my hands. And I looked up and thought, did someone turn the air conditioning up? No, it wasn't. Just a breeze, but I haven't been in a roaring wind. God does whatever he needs to get people's attention. And some of us, he needs it louder than others. Because <laughs> we're dull of hearing or we think, oh, I, just, I can explain all of those things away. And then it says, tongues of fire came from heaven and started to sit on each of their heads. Whoa. And then they started to speak in other languages they'd never learnt. The Holy Spirit decided that one of the signs of being filled with the Holy Spirit was speaking in a heavenly supernatural language. Some of them were speaking in other known languages because people from all over the region were there for the Pentecost fellowship, uh, celebration, feast. So there were people from dozens of Language, I think there's about 15 languages and ten, uh, countries mentioned in the list there in Acts 2. And they could hear them praising and glorifying God in languages that they knew they didn't know. It was another supernatural sign. 
And it says, tongues from heaven came and rested on each one. That's a really powerful thought that the Holy Spirit will come individually to our lives and baptize us and fill us and overflow us with His Spirit that suits your unique personality, that fills your heart with His presence, that will let you know that He's real and He's living water and He's wind and He's fire. He'll demonstrate it in whatever way you need in your journey of life. Sometimes it's like a Jew from heaven. There's so many beautiful pictures of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it says it's like a spring of living water bubbling up inside of you. Ah. If you've never experienced that life of the Spirit, I encourage you, hunger for it, open up and start to pray. Read the book of Acts. And tonight we're going to take a few minutes before we finish tonight just to make some room for the Spirit of God to stir our hearts. Some of you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, spoken other tongues, but you don't exercise that gift because you think, oh, I don't understand it, so it doesn't mean anything. Wow, every time I pray in tongues, the Bible says, you build up your faith. It's like getting charged. Every time you, Every night you plug your mobile phone in, some of your phones might last a couple of days. Most of us use it so much that it's got to be plugged in. And next morning you pull it out and it's all recharged. Speaking in other tongues is one of the ways God recharges your spirit. It's a supernatural thing. Every time I speak in other tongues, it reminds me that God supernaturally lives within me. Just, just incredible. Some of us say, well, I don't understand it. Well, I don't understand a whole lot of things about God. I don't understand how Jesus could die and then rise from the dead. Can you explain how that works? I can't, but I know it's true. There's a whole lot of spiritual things we're going to move from our natural reasoning to just receiving what the Spirit of God says. And let me tell you, when you enter into that spirit realm, everything changes. The world becomes an exciting supernatural place where you are not limited just to the natural. We still live in a natural world. We've got to eat food and we've got to sleep and do all those things. We walk in the natural but we also live in the supernatural because heaven's a supernatural place and God's getting us ready for heaven and he says you're my sons and daughters so God wants us to learn to live where you'd naturally be worn out sometimes there's just fresh energy comes other times you just need to go and have a good sleep so don't be weird and freaky about this just do life but let the spirit bring his extra dynamic into our world and it makes life so exciting so exciting so the spirit's poured out and it says then they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them all of them were full of the Holy Spirit to speak in other tongues as the spirit enabled them and they prophesied there was miracles started to break loose the things that Jesus did now started to happen through the apostles hands what was the difference they were filled with the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, Jesus messed with the disciples' heads. Weeks before he left, he says, by the way, guys, I'm leaving soon. I'm going to die, rise again, then go back to heaven. They're saying, no, we're just getting used to having you around, Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and says, no, it's better if I go than if I stay. And they're saying, come on, Jesus, you haven't had enough sleep. This does not make sense. But he said, no, if I go, then the Holy Spirit comes and he can be all over the world at once. Whereas if I'm in my one body, I'm in Jerusalem or I'm in Samaria or I'm in another town in the Galilee. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he can be in millions of people all at once all over the world. And that's what's happened and that's what's happening. How awesome is that? Ephesians 1.18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. 
the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age but also in the one to come. Lord, open my eyes. Open my eyes to see. It's amazing when you start to ask God to open your eyes, you'll start to see people differently. Someone that you were judging and thinking, why don't they try? You start to see the brokers of their soul and think, hey, they're really doing the best they can. Get beside them and help them. He'll open your eyes to see things that you don't naturally understand. He will give you supernatural wisdom. You'll be reading the Bible and all of a sudden it just comes alive to you. You know, it's the Holy Spirit's making it alive to you. Prayer was boring. I remember when I was first born again, it was four months later, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'd pray and, and they, I had these guys teach me, pray for an hour a day. And I'm thinking, mate, I've run out of things after two minutes, what to say? I've prayed for the family and the world and what else do I need to pray for? <laughs> I'll start again. So we pray for the family again. I'm thinking, Still five minutes, how do they do this hour thing? But after I got filled with the Holy Spirit... I would pray for needs and thank God and then I'd start to pray in this heavenly language for a few minutes. Then I'd come back and I have a whole pile more things to pray for with new understanding. And so you pray in the Spirit, pray with the understanding and an hour goes like that. That's what happens when you step into the Spirit. Same with worshipping. You're singing a song saying, well, we've sung that four times. Why are we singing it again? But if you open your heart to the Spirit, all of a sudden you start to sing in the Spirit and then you sing the words again. They've come with a new understanding and revelation. You want to keep singing. That's what happens. We're a Spirit-filled church and people don't understand how that dynamic works. And we need to encourage you. Let's have our hearts open to the Spirit. Let's be sensible and wise and do life with wisdom and grace and Jesus wasn't weird and spooky. It says the sinners love to hang out with him. Kids hung around with him. They don't hang around with boring people. So Jesus was so much fun. Life, great storyteller. But he moved in the supernatural of God. And that's the sort of people that God's going to release across our city and our community. That's the sort of people he's raising up in our church and churches all over the world. Worship team, come on up. Our God's awesome. We're going to just take, we've got 10 minutes before we have our normal finish time. We're just going to take a few minutes just to take some time to seek Him. John 7, 37. Some of you haven't ever been filled with the Holy Spirit and spoken in other tongues. You're thinking, well, what's that about? John 7, 37 says, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. It's a good idea. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Jesus was teaching how to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Number one, you need to be thirsty. You need to come to Him and say, Lord, fill me with more of Your Spirit and Your presence and power. It says, come to Jesus, not to someone else. Come to Jesus because He's the one who fills us. It says, whoever believes in me, so you've got to be born again. God doesn't give gifts to people who are not born again and got their heart cleansed inside. 
doesn't mean you have to be perfect, but you've asked him to wash and forgive you your sin. Then it says, to receive. I can offer you a glass of water and you can receive it or say, no, thanks. God comes with a whole lot of gifts and he offers us a whole lot of stuff. We think, oh, I don't really understand that. I'm not quite ready for that. So we refuse to receive the beautiful gifts that God has for us. Grace and forgiveness and hope and love. His spiritual life and power. Tonight he offers the gift of his spirit like living water. And out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. And so it was... 1975, I was a young guy and I came to a youth camp and there was a big youth camp here, Beth Sheen. And on the Sunday night at Easter, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm preaching on tonight. Easter Sunday nights are always special for me because that's when I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I remember I was prayed for. I was still trying to work it all out. How how do you speak in tongues? I'm trying to work it out, you know, because I'm a, a thinker. And I had a a youth pastor who said, don't try and work it out. Just receive and respond. And so I stopped speaking English and praising God. And I just said, Lord, just fill me and let this river flow. And I just kept moving my tongue and lips. Before I knew it, these words and syllables came out. There were only a few of them. It wasn't a huge language. But a wise youth pastor said, just go and speak what you have and God will increase it to a language of the Spirit. So I remember walking along the beach here the next morning. On a Monday morning, Easter Monday, praying those few syllables and your mind saying, this doesn't make any sense. How's this going to change your life? But I knew something was shifting on the inside. Within a week of praying in that heavenly language, five or ten minutes a day, within a week I had a fluent language of the Spirit. Now I speak in more than one language. There's languages of the Spirit. So sometimes when I'm worshipping, there's just a fluent language of love and worship. I don't know what language it is, but it's a spiritual language. Sometimes when I'm praying, there's an authority comes. It's like, it's like you're just taking authority over stuff in the Spirit, and it's a whole different language. Let the river flow as He wants it. And the speaking in tongues is one of the signs of being full of the Spirit. There are lots of others because you'll have love overflowing your heart. You'll have courage and strength and power come. Because the Bible says, when the Holy Spirit comes, you'll receive power, dynamite. How much dynamite's in your soul? Let's stand in His presence. Holy Spirit. Jesus, right now, just in these next few minutes, I want to encourage us to open our hearts. Just open our hearts. Let's just start to sing a song of just just worship and surrender. Just for a moment, let the king of my heart, let him be king of your heart right now. If there's anything in your heart saying, wow, remember he's the Holy Spirit, so he's not going to put his spirit upon a whole pile of junk in your life. So as we start to sing this, why don't we just make peace with God and say, Lord, just cleanse me and forgive me. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.